This morning I'm reading from Psalm 88. O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of a pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with your waves, Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow every day. I call upon the Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. In your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon, are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning, and my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This is God's difficult word for us today. Amen. Ooh. Thank you so much for that. Hi, how y'all doing this fun, this morning? Praise God. Uh, thank you for uh, those songs. They, uh, whew, they resonated with me a lot. That was, am I the only one who was feeling them like that? You know, I'm like, whoo. Yeah, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit moving just fire through that. So thank you guys for that. Um, I'm, my name's Darnell Wilson. If you guys haven't know, don't know me, I've been here before. Uh, I look forward to just opening God's word with you all today. I uh, don't have much to add beyond that. Uh, this message will not be f fun in the beginning. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. If you, if you heard the scriptures read, scripture read and you've read through it, it's not a fun uh, psalm. Uh, but uh, the first couple of points will be really hard to swallow, but the last one will be a joy. I promise you that, okay? Amen. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, open up this. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I know that I cannot do anything without you. So I'm in desperate need of your spirit. Uh, be here with me, Lord. Um, I have nothing to offer your people today except your word. But God, even that within my own strength is not enough to change hearts, to meet every need in the room, Lord. But I know that just like the little boy who had the fish dinner and he had, to, he had to, and you were charged to feed the 5,000, Lord. He, he put that fish dinner in your hands, and that was enough to bless everyone. And I pray today that the same thing. I have nothing else to offer them except your word. I, I give it over to you, God. And I know that you have the ability to miraculously have it reach 
every person here in a, in a miraculous way. Uh, so God, have your way. Let us love you more, Jesus. Let us love you as you ought to be loved. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today, uh, John told me, he said, hey, bro, you, uh, you, you can preach on any psalm. You know, he gave me a three, three or four to say, hey, those are off limits because I got those covered. But uh, he said, but everything else is, is up, up for grabs. I said, all right. So I, I purposely chose the worst psalm to read. <laughs> when I say worst, meaning that this is not an easy one to preach from. Because it's, it's one of the few psalm uh, that in, in Psalm 39 that does not end in a, in a joyous uh, refrain. You know, uh, at the end. In every other psalm, you'll see that, you know, uh, that, you know, the psalms are full of people complaining and venting and, 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 and crying out to God, you know, but, uh, and, and they're, they're voicing their frustrations, but usually toward the end, they say, but, but you, O Lord, are, but God, you can deliver, da, da, da. This one just says, darkness <laughs> is my closest, confr- uh, closest friend, you know, uh, I'm thinking about Simon and Garf- Garfunkel, you know, hello, darkness, my close friend. <laughs> And so I think through this, and, uh, and, and as I was praying, I, I felt the Lord, to, you know, he's been having me uh, go through hard storms, you know, and he says that this is something that's in the Psalter so that God's people could actually know the fullness of, 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 of who uh, God is. Now, I think it's, inter- you know, uh, I got four points I kind of want to, want us to consider, to consider today. Um, you know, uh, the first point and the, uh, the fourth point are, are the same. And then the, the second, uh, the second uh, point, actually it's three points, I'm sorry. First and third are the same. Second one is, has, has a couple parts to it, as subpoints. okay? First point is hope despairs, yet it still hopes. Second point is praying during despair. How do you pray when you're in despair? You know, and then the third is yet hope does despair, yet it still hopes. So the uh, beginning, first one is hope despairs. We're going to focus on that. The second, praying during despair. And third, third, hope despairs, yet it still hopes. So let's break this down, okay? Psalm 88, we see that, that uh, it's a heavy psalm. It's not one that's always fun to read. You know, it's not always fun, one that's fun to unpack. But, but we, we see, uh, like, what's going on here you know this is a prayer of lament or a prayer of sorrow or a prayer of heaviness or a prayer of 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 hard times that's going on in this uh this this writer's life you know and it's almost like well why is it here and i think that is some things that we can extract if we just sit down on the psalms and just think about them a little bit and one of the things, the first thing is that hope despairs. You know, one of the lessons I think that God is, is, is telling the Christian in this or telling me in this and, and maybe even you is that in the Christian life, there are times in which we will feel like we're in total darkness. And that we are feel like we're and we feel like we're all alone. And to be honest with you, sometimes that seems like it's more times than not. And it. Even more importantly, sometimes it feels like God has abandoned us. You ever felt like you were just, God, where are you? And not that it, 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 it's, you know, and sometimes people say, well, well, you know, it's going to get better. Well, sometimes, you know, like, I like this because uh, how do you know? How do you define better? How do you find that things are going to get better? 
When we look at what's going on here, we, we, you know, we look at the author, uh, uh, Heman, the, the uh, Ezraite, and we don't know much about him. We know that, you know, he's mentioned in 1 Chronicles 16, you know, but that's about it. We don't have much more details about him. And um, I think that as I watch this, as I, as, I, as I see this unfold, I think that he was crafting out his emotional journey, uh, journal to the Lord. And that you got to realize that, that just so you know, the priest used to sing this. This was a song. So it wasn't, you know, like, like, like in, worship, in, in worship, they would sing this as a worship song. Like, this is not super worshipful to me. Don't make me feel great. But Heman, uh, but, but, but Heman was writing out, he's crafting his emotional journey, but, uh, and, and, and he was talking about how he's losing all his friends and that, and that he was facing death on a regular basis. And we don't really know exactly what pain he was going through, but usually I find that it's helpful for me that when I don't know the exact context of what's going on, I usually just kind of put myself there just for, for a moment. And I, and I look at my, you know, and, and not like an eisegesis moment where I want to put me in the text and say, it's all about Darnell. No, but sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on with this guy's life. But then I look at my life and I was like, well, Darnell, has there been times where you felt like, like all your friends left you? Have you ever felt like you were just so close to darkness and that when you woke up, the only thing you saw was no hope. You wake up and, and tears are your closest friend because you feel as if, man, will this heaviness, this depression ever leave me? And how do I deal with this? And then sometimes you feel like darkness will never leave. And it could, be, it could last years and years and years. So the first point I want us to know is that darkness is part of the Christian journey. Just because someone is going through depression or sadness doesn't mean that they're, they didn't pray enough. Amen. You ever had someone say that to you? You know, if you say, man, I'm going through hard times right now. Well, you know, God is Jesus still on the throne. Well, I know that, bruh. <laughs> but, but life is terrible right now. But, but, but don't stay there. But why can't I? Why can't I just, and not wallowing in self-pity, but why can't I just experience the weight and the heaviness of life and the fact that, that honestly, my friends are not by me and, and I wake up and I'm lonely. They actually say this generation, Gen Alpha and Gen Z, are the loneliest generation. You, you, you guys heard about how World War II was the greatest generation. This right now is called the loneliest generation because I do college ministry on Kent's campus and I, I see these kids are super lonely. I mean, they, they're, they're aching because, of, you know, because of life is and, and, and like life's hard and they're OK with talking about their loneliness. They're, they're OK with talking about their hardships. But I find that within the Christian world, we don't do that. We don't allow that space for that tension of, yes, I'm in Jesus. Yes, I love him. Yes, I'm in right relationship with him. Yes, I'm actually doing all the good things that I should be doing. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading my word and I'm still sad. So I think this is here because we know that Christians should experience darkness and we will have moments of loneliness and we have moments where life just won't work out like we think it should. And, it, and, and look at this. That doesn't mean God is punishing you. That doesn't mean that God is, is lashing out at you. 
That, that, that's not, he doesn't have that kind of daisy love where he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. That's not the fickle kind of love that God has. Amen. He's a steadfast God. He is consistent. Right. We are fickle. He is not. We are unfaithful. He is faithful. We are finite. He is infinite. And we have, we have the privilege of having intimacy with the infinite. And intimacy means into me I allow you to see. So I'm allowing the intimate, the, the infinite one to get close to me. And, and actually he, he came close to us first. And, and now we're in right relationship with him. But he ain't fickle. His love ain't fickle. You and I are. And so just because you're going through hard times don't mean that God is upset with you. That's a point of that, that hope despairs. I think that even within the, another point that we got to consider within this, this, this prayer is that, is that this lamentation, this, 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 this sorrowful prayer doesn't always, that when we pray, they don't always got to be positive. God doesn't want us to always uh, be like people who are giving him religious platitudes that, you know, uh, where, where we're like, Lord, you know, uh, I'm, I'm frustrated, but, but I, I know I still trust you. No, 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 no. Be real. Be real. Be, keep it a buck with him. Can you keep it a hundred with him? Can you keep it? A, keep it be, can you be honest with him? Our, 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 our prayers don't always have to be positive. It's funny in Job, when Job was, was going through his... His, his crazy time when he was losing everything. In Job chapter 2, his friends did, his friends came and sat with him. And, and in verse 13, it says that his grief was too, you know, they sat with him in silence because his grief was too much for words. Have you ever thought that as a Christian, when someone else is going through hard times and life is hitting them so hard, our responsibility is just to be with them, just to sit with them? And be uncomfortable with the awkward moment. Honestly, you, you want me to give you a secret to awkwardness? How to endure awkward moments? Just choose not to participate in them. <laughs> it's that simple. Like, it could be an awkward moment right here, and I could be all, all up in it, but I can just say, nope, I don't want to experience that. So I'm going to disassociate from that. And like, okay, that's, it's awkward, but I'm okay with awkwardness. Or better yet, even if you don't want to participate in it, just learn to be okay with the fact that things will get weird and just say it's you know it's awkward i'm okay with that can you are you comfortable enough with your god that he can understand and your friends that they can understand that it's uncomfortable but i'm going to sit here with you your prayers don't always have to be positive Another, uh, another thing about hope despairing, another, and I'm, I'm giving, I got two more observations. I have sub points to my points, okay? So just kind of bear with me. I, I am a preacher, by the way, you know? So the, thir the first point is that, you know, uh, is, is that, 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 that darkness is going to happen, and it don't mean God hates you. Second point within hope despair is that your lamentation, your prayers are always going to be positive. Third point is that this teaches us, us the realness of life. It's so real, so raw. I love it. This is why I love the Psalms, because everywhere else in the Bible, sometimes it feels like it's always it's just an uptick. And, and when I look at real life and I look at my life, I'm like, that's not how my life goes. It seemed like, you know, like I didn't expect to lose my brother at a young age, you know, when he died. I didn't expect to experience uh, 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 abuse. I didn't expect to experience these hard things in my life. 
And even worse, that I thought that once I came to Christ, my life would get ex exponentially better. Am I right? right? And it seemed like more hell broke loose after I came to faith. That's a fact. Amen. Pardon my language, kiddos. But more, uh, uh, but I, <laughs> more hardship came after. But I love this, the fact that this man right here, we know that he's actually a, a follower of Yahweh. He's, a, he's, a, he's in covenantal relationship with God because look at this. In verse 1, he says, Oh Lord, uh, that, that is, you know, the capital uh, L-O-R-D is, is the covenantal name of God. That's Yahweh. So that means that, 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 and he says, God of my salvation, that means a human actually had a personal relationship with God. So he lets you know, I, I, I don't like anything. I don't like to be hustled. I tell, you know, I was with my fiance yesterday and we were walking through five, five below. And uh, they had this, you know, five below, everything says $5 and below, right? Well, I went in there and things were not five below. <laughs> it said, I felt as if I got hoodwinked. Because I went in there, I said, wait a minute, this, this little shower gel says $5.55. Don't like that, that's, that's above $5. And then on top, you know, I had a, a scrub daddy. Again, hustles. I don't like hustles. They had a scrub daddy. There was like $5. I'm like, hold on, Lowe said it was like $2.50. Little scrubby thing. But, but we really uh, grinded my gears with the fact that everything, there had a lot of sprinkled in items throughout the whole store that was above $5. I'm like, they lied to me. How many people here hate being lied to? See, the reason that I, I love this about the, about the Psalms is that God does not lie to you about the realness of Christian life. He lets you know that, that even if, you, you know, like, like, like there's a, a, a false expectation sometime that, that, that everything's going to be better when you come into Christ. And I think that that's true in the long run, yes. But in the, in the everyday throes of life, that's not always guaranteed. When, that's why I love the Psalms. It makes me believe that I, that I can rock with this God because he lets you know that life ain't going to always be easy. And sometimes the people closest to you are the ones who can do the, hurt, the biggest hurt to you. And that it's okay. God can handle the realness of your life. And the psalm right here lets you know that even though hope despairs, that it lets you know that there is realness, there's a reality that the scriptures is rooted in reality. Wrong expectations can make suffering exponentially worse. You ever had someone say, hey, uh, I'll be, you know, uh, I'll pick you up uh, uh, t tomorrow evening. And then, but in your mind, you heard, they'll be here at three o'clock. What they said was very different from what you heard. And then your expectation was that they're going to be here at what? And then if they come at seven, what's going to happen? You're going to be teed off. You're going to be upset. And so many of us are, you know, like, like expectations were set by you. But, you know, by them, they'll be there tomorrow evening. But you heard that they'll be here by three o'clock. And so when they didn't come in the time frame that you thought they should, now you're what? You're angry. You're upset. 
And then, and then you over there pouting and mad at this person. So many of us are mad at God because we thought that the, the, the life that we should have should not have the hardship that it is having. Even though his scripture says, in this world, you will have troubles. He said, you will have trouble, but your what you heard was that it should be great. <laughs> no, the issue is not that God has changed his tune. The issue is that you and I have heard the wrong thing. And so when your expectations are one thing, you may, it makes suffering exponentially worse. I'm letting you know that everyone in here who's been mad at God, myself included, is, not, is, is because we thought God had said one thing. We thought that he said, do this. I'm just trying to obey God. I'm just trying to do what you said. And then, and then we get a, a, a Mack truck hit us. And we're like, wait a minute. I was being obedient to you. And now life is hard. And now we're mad at him. And we see that the psalmist right here, is, 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 he's in that same boat. He low-key mad at God. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us are really mad at God internally? And, and you want to know one way that you know you're mad? You don't talk to him. You give him the silent treatment. You ever, been, you know, uh, you ever been in a relationship with someone, your husband, your wife, your significant other, and then all of a sudden, you're, you know, they're not talking to you. You call the name. Debbie, Debbie, if you were Debbie in here, they'd ignore me, okay? And, and, they're, and they're right there, but they're looking straight ahead. Oh, wait, what, were you talking to me? No, you heard me talk, calling you for the last 20 minutes. You were giving me the silent treatment. Or even worse, you just kind of ignore the person for days to weeks at all end. How do you know if you're mad at God? Some of us are so religious that we are, we, we, we know that we shouldn't be mad at God, but... but we, we, it's evident because we don't pray anymore. We don't open up our Bible anymore. We're not part of a community anymore. We're not, we don't confess anymore. We don't invite people into those hard areas any longer because we say in our mind, what's the point? It's going, you know, what, why? That's when you know hope is despairing. There you go. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is why I love Psalm 88, because in hope despairs, we know that that darkness that can happen to Christians and it should be is going to be the expectation. It, te it teaches us that that our prayers don't always have to end positively. They can be frustrated. And then it, let, it lets us know that there's a realness of life and the realness of life is based in the rooted rooted. And it should be rooted in the reality that life will not always be great. You know, and the expectations that God has set forth in us. In his word is more real than even, even what sometimes the preachers may say. Take God's word over what I may say. Because right. I'm, I'm going to fail you. His word won't. First point, not so fun, right? All right, second point. And by the way, y'all, uh, we're, we're going to go just, we're just doing an overview of Psalm 88. I don't have the time to unpack every little thing, but I, I will say this. You know, the second point is that, is that the prayers of despair. But before I get to that point, I want to make sure that, that, that I, I lay this last thing out about the prayer pyramid. You guys remember the food pyramid that we, uh, you remember these kids that, that came out in the early 90s? 
food pyramid at the very bottom was what it was uh, grains and 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 all this other good stuff and and, and then uh, you know you know had meat and dairy and then you had blah 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 all this other good stuff and you know vegetables in there somewhere but have you, you, you do know that, that the food pyramid has been largely discredited because of, of the, it was hijacked by lobbyists, right? You know, and it's been discredited because of, you know, all this other good stuff, you know, so people don't use it as much. But in the modern day Christian prayer pyramid, we don't really, you know, at the very bottom, we may have praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love him. He's awesome. You know, he's, he's great. And then the next thing we have the word and, and then we, then, then, then we have, you know, uh, fellowship and we have all these things of, of the, the, the Christian pyramid, uh, the, the Christian pyramid of life, I guess, or prayer pyramid. And, but the very small things we have is just like lamentation or, or frustration or sorrowful prayer. We don't talk about that as much. And I think that, that, that if I look at the Psalm, I think frustration should be have a larger and, and lamentation should have a larger role in the Christian walk. And we have to be honest about that. Let's let's like let's let's have a moment like to just say, yeah, God, I'm not feeling this. I just want to add that little two, two, two pennies in. All right. Second point is uh, <laughs> prayer of despairs. There's three things that I want to make sure we, we have. Consistency, honesty, and prayers of faith. One, consistency. Now we're going to open up the scripture, okay? We're going to just unpack this real quick, okay? The, 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 the first uh, uh, part, uh, first point was just an overview of, of what we were experiencing from Heman's perspective, and I think that God was telling me to share with you all. The second thing is just, let's look at the scriptures here. The three ingredients of a healthy uh, prayer life or a healthy uh, life of, 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 of lamentation, of prayers, you know, of lamentation is one, consistency. If you take a look at the scriptures here, uh, this, 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 this whole verse is broken down into three stanzas. Uh, we have in the first one, you know, uh, we, we see that, 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 uh, that the the heman comes to God day and night, day and night. He comes, you know, he, he has time markers that he's he's there. Look at verse one. He says that I cry out to you not day and night before you. And, and uh, verse nine on the uh, on the backhand, he says every day I call upon the Lord. And verse 13, he says this. But but I, O oh Lord, cried to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. Here's the thing is that there was consistency in his prayers. This is how you know that that he genuinely probably wasn't wasn't angry at God, mad at God in that way, like you and I, because he wasn't giving him silent treatment. He was coming to him constantly. And, and, and each time he uses the covenantal name of God, he says Yahweh. If you see capital L-O-R-D, he's in verse one, he says, Lord. Uh, verse nine B, he says, I, I call upon you, O Lord. And verse 13, he says this. Uh, but I, oh Lord, cry to you. He was calling to him in a, in a personal way. There's consistency. The, you know, he has a geographical marker that he says that I come to you. I come to you. I'm here. I'm right before you. He's laying it out. And there's intensification at each, uh, as each stanza progressions. You know, he, he goes, he says, uh, he says, I cry. And then, and then, then he lays, he says, I come out to you. I come before you. And then, you know, he says, come, Lord, come and help me. There's consistency in his prayer life. Are you and I having a life of prayer that's consistent? Point number two is honesty. The language here is raw. How many of us have honest, raw prayer with God? 
You ever been in your car dr- driving and you just kind of just like, ah, life is terrible. <laughs> he was honest. <laughs> he was like, death is close. The grave is near. I'm friendless. I have nobody else. I'm terrified. I'm by myself. Oh, man. Verse 8, he says this, that, that, that you have caused my companions to shun me. I'm by myself. Verse 18, he says that, that, that my beloved friends, they shun me. Oh, my goodness. He is honest and raw. And he keeps saying, you, God, you have caused my companions. You have made me a horror to them. You have caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. Now darkness is my clo- my nearest friend. I think it's interesting that if this man is in, in, in personal relationship with God, sometimes your frustration and your honesty, just because it's honest don't mean it's based in truth. Just because it's honest don't mean it's based in truth. You ever had somebody, again, I'm going back to relationship, friendship, and, you know, and you're frustrated with somebody, and you say, you're, you're never there for me. And they're like, what? I was just there for you the last six years. Or you always do this. You ever done that? You ever ever did that within relationship? You're arguing and you say, you're never there. You're always. Look, look this dude, Heman, even though he was honest, he said some, he was, he was low key being disrespectful towards God. Low key, lightweight, a little bit. Because, you know, like, like, like. He says in verse uh, 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 15, affliction, afflicted and close to death from my youth up. He says, essentially, my whole life I've been by myself. And that's, so, so sometimes, even when you're being honest, your lens, that's the lens you, just, you choose to see people and, and, and God through, that it could be distorted. Because look at this. God has been there for you and I more times than we could ever imagine. He's there for you. He's closer than a brother. I mean, and, 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 and this dude right here, he, man, he, I like him because he's honest, but it don't always be, just because you're honest, I mean, it's based in truth. Just because you're honest, I mean, it's always based in truth, but it's still honest to you. So which lens are we choosing to see God through? Like, if you're coming to him, be, 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 be consistent. Come to him consistently, day and night. Come to him, talk to him. But be, be honest, but even question some of your honest, your honest feelings. <laughs> I've, I've had friends who were like, Darn, you know, uh, Darnell, um, you, you're, you know, me and my mom, we, we get into it often. You know, me and her, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm blessed to still have her, but we have our disagreements. And one thing that she does to me uh, is that, you know, uh, you know, when I was younger, I would say, you never came to my game. She said, never? I, was, I played football my whole life. I said, she said, never? Are you sure? I said, but you never did. Because da, 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 da. And I started leveling all these accusations against her. And she was like, no, 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 no. Let me just peel back for something. I was at this game, this game, this game. You remember you called that interception? I was there. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh. <laughs> just because it's honest to you doesn't mean it's based in truth. And so sometimes your prayers and honesty, you have to even sometimes question them again and, and hold them against God's word and then say, is this true? No, God's your word is true. I'm going to submit my I'm going to submit my prayers to your word. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually say, mm, even, you know, Lord, I'm actually being like lightweight disrespectful. Let me, Lord, forgive me because 
I got a pocket a little bit. I got too comfortable with you. Like he, he did in verse 15, says, you never be, from my youth up, you, oh, you was never there. <laughs> Sometimes your honesty can, start to, it can be, lead to a lie, and then it, it, it can lead to exaggeration on the fact that God was not there, and he, pro, he, he, he was. He, he was. So let's us be honest, and then let us have prayers of faith. I think we can look at here and see that the, the faith is all throughout this is that, look, y'all, this, this faith, this lamentation, this prayer, this scripture is rooted in faith and God being faithful because guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't just go to his friends because they all gone. <laughs> but he actually comes to God consistently. He comes to God. It's a prayer of faith because even though your honesty could be not based in truth, it still could be a prayer of faith if you come to the one who is faithful. Do you and I come to God when we're frustrated with God? Or do we go and vent to other people? I was talking to my, 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 one of my old students who graduated a couple years ago. She lives down in Columbus, and she's been going through a really hard time, lost her job. Uh, I found out uh, her, her, her mom wasn't her mom. You know, a lot of, lot of really, really, really hard stuff. And we were talking, and she was like, Darnell, she said, I'm just so angry. I said, that's okay. And I, we pointed out this scripture. And, and, and I talked to her about this point. I said, have you been going to God with your frustrations? She said, no. I said, what have you been doing? She said, I've been talking to my friends and everyone else and everyone, anyone who would listen. I said, but have you come to him? See, Heman knew that, that even though I'm frustrated with God, my situation is so great that the only person who can deliver me is who? God. Do you and I know that the only one who has the power to change your current circumstance is the one with whom we're, we're, we're levying all of our accusations against? And he alone can understand. He alone can, uh, can be with you. He alone can transform the circumstances for you if you and I will just come to him in faith. I love the fact that he may never even asked him to be delivered from the circ his circumstance. That's the wild part because he had enough faith to know that even if you don't deliver me, you're still God. When my brother passed away at the age of 36, uh, I got a call. I live in Cleveland. I, had a, I, got, I got a call from his, uh, from his girlfriend and said, uh, uh, Lawrence is in the hospital. He went to the hospital. I'm like, wait, what? My brother don't go to the hospital. And I, you know, my mom, me and my mom were talking. We looked at each other and was like, you know, she, she was like, I can't tell you anymore. We'll tell you when we get here. And we, you know, I work, I'm a nurse by trade. so. Um, I know as soon as someone kind of talks like that, I'm like, mm, this ain't good. So we got in the car, and me and my mom was driving at 3 o'clock in the morning. We're driving. And uh, I said, you feel them? Because my mom says she feels all of her kids. You know, she's like, I just feel when my kids are in this earth. I just feel them. I said, I said, do you feel them? She said, no, I don't feel them. I said, okay. So in that moment, hmm, I had a choice. I'm like, you, he, he's gone. She said, yeah, he's gone. We knew that he was dead within the first 10 minutes of us on the road. So we drove out here to Akron, Akron General, and we got into the, to the, uh, ER, uh, in the ER, and they had just finished working them up, you know, I mean, when they clean them up, make them look pretty or whatever before the family comes to see them. And we, and we got there, and we saw him, and, and it, was, it was my brother, but it was not my brother. And in that moment, T, 
tears strung, wept down my face and my mom too. And she was just, you know, hugging her, like touching him and rubbing him and kissing him. And the only thing we could say is that he's still God. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, Ma, but she, she was saying that he's still God. He's still God. I'm like, okay, you're right. He's still God. Meaning this, yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, I don't understand what's, what's going on. Yes, I'm grieving. Yes, I'm crying. Yes, I'm confused. But God is still God. And so I'm going to trust him even in the midst of this circumstance. I'm going to have Job's spirit where he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Will that be the same heart that you and I have when we're faithfully coming to God? The act of prayer is, a, is an act of trust and hope that God can and will hear you, even if the current circumstances will not change. I can't promise you that your, your current circumstances will change. I don't know. But I do know the scripture that says that, that know this, that all things work together for the good of those who love God. It works together for the good. What is the good he's talking about? In verse 29 of Romans chapter 8, it tells you that, that, that for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that means that the goal of God, the heart, the situations in your, your and my life is that God is trying to conform you and I to the character of Christ. He wants us to be conformed to his image. And even in the midst of suffering, he has a point and a purpose behind that, that he wants you and I to endure these hard times so that we may become molded into the image of his son. That's not always comforting to hear. But it's true. The Bible does not shrink away from the hard stuff of life. We usually do. Last point in on hope. Why is this even here? Hope despairs, yet it still hopes. Hope despairs. Yes, it despairs. We have a, a, a prayer life of uh, how does prayers look that's, that's uh, in, in despair. They're consistent, they're honest, and they're filled with faith. But yet it still hopes. Hope despairs, yet it still hopes. What does this mean? Y'all, doesn't this psalm bother you? It should. Like, it should really bother you because it bothers me. I was like, why is this even here? Why can't it? Why is this in the scripture? And I, I know I said earlier that it talks about the realness of life. But, yeah, that's what I got out of it. But it's because Derek Kittner wrote this, this uh, in, his, in his, his, his commentary. And I read this. I was like, oh, okay, that helps a little bit. He said this, the very presence of these prayers and scriptures is a witness to God's understanding. Because God knows how men speak when they are desperate. I'm going to say that one more time. The very presence of these prayers and scripture is a witness to God's understanding. He understands us. He gets us. And, he, and God knows how men speak when they are desperate. That's why this is, that's one of the reasons why it's here, but I think it's a, it's a bigger reason. It's a, it's a bigger, more powerful reason why it's here is that in verse one, it says, Oh Lord, God of my salvation. We talked about that, that, that Yahweh, that personal name of God. This man, Heman was acquainted with grief. 
he had a couple of things in which all his friends left him at his, at his moment of need. He was a man who seemed like God had abandoned him when he was by himself. Doesn't that remind you of someone else? That in Luke 23, 49, we see that when Jesus was on the cross, it says, it says, but all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things unfold. When he says that, when he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, friends, will you pray with me but for a while? And, his, you know, and they could not keep their eyes open. Their eyes kept going, they kept going to sleep. His friends abandoned him at his moment of need. When in, in Isaiah 53, it says that, that we have a suffering Messiah who was acquainted with grief. This psalm, I believe, is pointing to a greater person. He's a greater human, a greater, a greater person who is in Christ, who we see in, revealed in Jesus. And that we, don't, we can say that, that we, we don't have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession of faith. This is Hebrews chapter 4. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted at just as we are yet without sin. This is showing us that the, and, you know, the New Testament helps us understand that the presence of this Psalms let us know that we have a Savior who can understand us in our weakness. And that we have, we have Jesus who we can come to him and say, hey, I'm frustrated. He says, and he says, I get you. And, I can, I, and, and, and guess what? I'll sit with you and I'll weep with you. You say that darkness is my closest friend. He says, he says, behold, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because when I was in darkness, I was by myself on the cross. He was in darkness for us. And, 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 and when he, you know, and at that point, God actually turned his, you know, some theologians say God turned his back. That's what he says. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? We have a savior who can understand you and I when we feel like the father has forsaken us. We can go to him and say, God, I don't get it. And he says, baby, I understand. Let me be there for you. Do you know the kind of savior you have? Yeah. And if, if you don't know this Jesus. I invite you to learn him, to know him, to come to him in faith, because he says this. He says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He says this, that if you're bruised, but, you're, but you know, he won't break you. If you're hurting, he will not, he, he will not crush you. He says, if, you're, if you have a barely flickering light of life in you, he says, I will not snuff it out, but, I, but, but, but he, will, he will care for you. He will understand you. He will be there for you. He will sustain you if you come to him. We don't have a savior who can't understand us. We have a savior in which we can go to him with every frustration. And at the end of the day, when, at my brother's funeral, when I was laying over uh, uh, and I was, you know, I was sending over his casket, uh, delivering uh, part of the eulogy. I spoke on the savior. I spoke on the fact that he rose from the dead and his resurrection is what gives us hope. As Peter says, we, don't, we, don't, we, we have been born to a living hope. 
So I encourage anyone in here who's going through hell and hard times right now that you have, a, you have been born to a living hope, a savior who can understand you. And if you come to him, if you come to him in faith, he will, he will not break you. He will not beat you or abuse you, but what he'll do is that he'll listen to you. He will not snuff out the little life you have left, but guess what? He will, he will, he will, he will, he will blow on it with his Holy Spirit. He will, he will, he will, he will fan the flames and, and that you and I will be consumed with his love. And I pray today that that love that you and I so desperately need and, and desire and, and long for and want that is not found on your social media is not found and your mate because your mate cannot meet you where Christ can is not found in just in community I do think community can help you yes I don't don't get me wrong I think community can help you but 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 it's found in a savior and if you come to him he will by no means turn you away father we thank you for who you are God, I thank you that, that we, have a, we have a God who understands us, and this is the hope that we live, that we hold on to, that this is the, you know, we have a suffering service, a Savior who is acquainted with our grief, who understands us, and I pray today that, that as we look at your text, Lord, as we look at Psalm 88, we look at it through a new lens, and that we will see this as a, as a shadow or a, or a signpost to point us to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.